Welcome to Demogranomics, your insight to the powerful surprises ahead for the US economy. Demogranomics, where people make markets. And now, here is Mike Williams. Hey there, it's Mike Williams. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to call this the future and predictions. So here we are on the eve of the vote thought we should possibly step back and recognize again what is not happening, though we have been repeatedly told for multiple reasons to fear the future, those dire outcomes simply have not arrived. I know this could drive the, well, they haven't happened yet, dummy, type of response, and I get that, I do. To carry one step further, though, remember, we kind of hope Brexit happens, I think it would be fantastic, but I have a hunch it may not. The vote uh, will unfold tomorrow. We'll know in another probably 48 hours. Further, if it does happen, I suggest we be prepared to take advantage of the, quote, carnage in the aftermath that is sure to come, as I am certain the media will create a a sideshow out of this event. Uh, But remember, it is just a sideshow to the larger picture unfolding. Often when I send along these podcasts, I sort of cringe at the idea that sometimes they may be perceived as predictions, which are nothing more than a flip of the coin. Uh, We all know the many experts who called the 2008-2009 crisis not enough. No, they had been calling it since 2001. My point? Well, Yogi said it best. It's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. It's not surprising to me that our airwaves are filled with many very smart people making predictions. What does surprise me is that we still believe the next prediction in earnest, even after so many have repeatedly been missed before it. So please do not think of our work here as a prediction. All we try to focus on is the basics. And oddly enough, focusing on the basics puts you in the proper location in the future far more often than all the fancy nuances too many get lost in today. I know it's boring. I get that too. But it works. Like it or not, the most fundamental aspect of a business and its future value is simpler than most want to recognize. A, how big is your market for the services you offer? And B, is that audience getting larger or smaller? I don't mean to be repetitive, but that is the basic starting point foundation of all potential future value. I suspect it is the main driver in making the barbell economy portfolios we provide to members consistently more productive than the averages. Remember this, while I get the whole asset allocation process many investors are taught, it reminds me of the Morningstar boxes. Here's the deal, you can diversify yourselves into mediocrity. If we can see that 70 million people are likely to travel through different doorways at different stages of life, that's pretty valuable. We don't need every one of them to do the exact same thing, but as a mass moving in the same direction, a solid theory can be had that value is likely to be found if you offer XYZ services, products, widgets, or whatever. I like the way my colleague Ken puts it. There are three kinds of people in the world. Those who can count and those who can't. (laughs) The other thing about predictions, 
it's seemingly lost on the audience as to just how badly we are collectively at defining what we should expect in the future. How many times do we need to ride the roller coaster of fear-mongering to understand it's just a flat-out bad ride? I read a piece yesterday titled, The Three Black Swans That Could Destroy the Markets. Now look, the title alone should make you aware that the writer does not entirely understand what a black swan is or why it's called same. Second, take a gander at his three black swans, Brexit, Zika, and no one winning enough electoral votes to become president in November. It's amazing how much nonsense is created these days for consumption. Before we get on to more important charts, recall what Peter Lynch taught us well before his time. He stated, quote, Far more money has been lost by investors preparing for corrections than has ever been lost in the corrections themselves. That, my friends, is the ongoing cost of fear. It's expensive, and things to fear will never end. Speaking of fear, there are a number of bright people on the airwaves in recent months telling us repeatedly that the future cannot possibly be as good as the past. I think they've said that for, oh, several decades. There's just been too much improvement, too much advancement, too much supply, and on and on and on and on, and we can't possibly recreate all that again. We're told the massive hurdles we face will surely lead to much lower returns in the financial markets and a decreased standard of living. We are warned that wealth inequality will continue to widen the gap between the haves and have-nots, creating even more ammunition for coming disasters. It's easy to get sucked into all this thinking. Often when presenting their data, the PhDs have complex models and a narrative to back up their claims. In an uncertain future, sometimes it's easy to default to a pessimistic view on where things are heading. Because heck, it sounds smarter. But what if the opposite is true? Ponder these thoughts for a second with me. First, we've never had this big a generation of people getting ready to barrel into the U.S. economy. The implications of this massive shift are being completely misunderstood by many, just as they were in the late 70s and early 80s. That being said, though, other very effective changes are already underway as we speak. Our Tectonic Shifts podcast back in late 2013 on energy has come to pass. OPEC knows, the Saudis know it, and the market knows it. We are unlikely to face energy squeezes like we have in the past. Consider this. The cost of energy consumption as a nation, as a percent of our income, is now lower than it has ever been. Factor in what Generation Y engineers are likely to do with solar, battery, and wind energy to power things like houses, cars, planes, and factories in the future, which, by the way, has just barely begun, and the economic surprises could be, well, much more positive. Then let's reconsider the household balance sheet. We noted last week in your podcast the new record highs in per capita net worth and wealth levels at all-time record highs. The chart above takes this a little further, the chart above, the chart I'm looking at, takes this a little further and adds even more value to the $8.3 trillion sitting in 
in consumer bank accounts earning nothing. I'm going to repeat that. $8.3 trillion in consumer bank accounts in the United States alone earning nothing. Household debt has gone, has gone through two major peaks over the last several decades. One during the late 80s after the October 87 crash and then in the early 90s recession and another beginning in 2007 which of course ended up being the housing debacle ending in 09's bear market lows. After debt peaks and households become too stretched, they normally spend a period of time paying off and defaulting on debt, which significantly hampers those looking for constantly improving consumer spending habits. Most of the reason the early 90s and the late 2000s were so awful economically was that households were paying off past debts rather than supporting current businesses, new ideas, new investing, and new spending. The latter period was further hampered by Generation X, a generation that was simply too small to keep the ball rolling at the same pace as the baby boomers did. But so much debt has been washed away in the last seven years that household debt payments as a percent of income are now at their lowest level in, get this, 35 years. You don't hear that at all in the press. The point? Well, look, this puts households and consumers in a position of health, the likes of which we've not seen for 40 years. They can now safely take on debt and make new investments in a way that won't stretch them too far when fear recedes. Keep in mind, there is never a time when households pay off their debts and stay there. Everything is a pendulum between the boom of building up debt and the pain of paying it back. In all the mess we've meandered through since 2008 and 9, we are now at a point where the likely trajectory of debt is up by a lot and for a while, which wasn't true for a lot of the last 30 years. We've come full circle today, back to the future. It's what we're all scared of. When that fear recedes, our markets are set to explode. How will the market react to rising interest rates? Well, many may not recall this, but rates surged from 1954 to 1969, from about 0 to 10%. Oddly enough, rather than hurting the market, as so many are terrified of today, stock returns were blisteringly strong, about 12% a year after inflation. Inflation rose, for example, considerably from 2002 to 2007. But guess what? Stock returns were excellent. In summary, the one thing we can count on with some confidence is people. Millions and millions of them will grow up soon here in the U.S. Tens of millions of new households will be in demand. Massive new technology shifts are underway. To think we can predict just how much surprising strength Gen Y will create in our economy as the smartest, most technically savvy generation to ever grow up, well, it's foolish. However, to think it's all dark and cannot succeed is equally foolish. Mindsets need to shift. I repeat, we must recognize the current underneath and not the surface of the water. The barbell economy is moving forward. It is the struggle to adapt which holds us back. 
We have FedExed our economic pipeline to work hard to de-risk the option of another 08 and 09. We have done such a good job of hedging that away that we missed the one thing we cannot fathom given the harsh cloud of fear that constantly surrounds us. An explosive wave of growth and demand driven by our demographics for the next couple of decades. So I hope these thoughts have been helpful. Remember this, fear drives your attention. People drive markets. Hope these have been helpful. Until we see you again, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.